buddy. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turn it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today, because today we are finally getting around to the books that we had selected back when we did friends pitching fantasy which what that feels like a lifetime ago and you know the fans voted they had a choice between a wizard of earthsea and all systems red and uh people wanted to hear a wizard of earthsea by ursula k Le Guin first well, and that yes, is what we are first. here to discuss today yeah i'm really pumped to get into this so we will be getting to all systems red white in a week. Yep. Charles. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Week. And f- and fiction fans podcasts will be coming on, That's which right. we are super excited about. Yep. But for now, we're here to talk about a Wizard of Earthsea. And if you have not yet read a Wizard of Earthsea, this episode will have spoilers for that book in it so now is a good time to turn this down in your headphones if you don't want to get that book spoiled for you and pick that classic book up if you want to give it a read yes very well said dylan it's a really fun read and i'm super excited to get into it um but at the top of the episode i did want to contextualize this book's place in history just super super quickly it was published in 1968 yes which if you think about it lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring was published in 1954 so these are super early works of what i would consider modern fantasy yeah and when you think about how long ago that was that's 53 years ago so (laughs) That's a long time, and I think this is probably the the second oldest book that we've read on the podcast. I can't imagine what would be, I mean, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings the is podcast, the oldest, and I yeah, think this would be would, the second oldest. Yeah, I don't think anything probably even comes close. That no, it's like the 90s, read, right? I think, is next. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> like Wheel, Wheel of Time, time yeah. yeah. So, so it's a big gap between <laughs> between those two books, these two books. So right. yeah, this feels like it's another generation before Wheel of Time, which is something which that's... Which it is. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting to consider as we go through it, because it feels like this could have been written today. It's just so well, vibrant. In, in a lot of ways, it feels like it could be written today in a lot of ways it doesn't and normally i would <laughs> that doesn't would not be a compliment coming from me as i've kind of got this like more modern fantasy fan spin to me but i would say that when compared to a lot of the more recent works that we've read the things that made a wizard of Earthsea different were like a breath of fresh air for me yeah because it was so different a style of storytelling than anything that 
I've read in fantasy, really, that I can even think of. It's like this, I, I think it was uh, our buddy David S., who's at Book Meanderings on mm-hmm. uh, Twitter. It's awesome. It yeah, awesome, dude. And uh, he... I think he said it had like this campfire style, like yes. campfire story style yeah. telling to it. Uh, sorry if I'm misquoting and that was someone else, but that's my memory of it was David S. And yeah, that I went in like aware of because he said that before we started reading. I was like, that's exactly what this is. It's like sitting down next to Ursula K. Le Guin with all of her wisdom <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> having her just tell me and the other folks around the campfire I like to think you were there too charles and <laughs> just tell us this incredible story full of evocative themes and morals and just yeah wisdom is the word that comes up most for me just yeah, so much well wisdom said. packed into such a small book it's it it was absolutely incredible charles and you know <laughs> i'm not a i'm not typically the person who gravitates toward books written over 50 years ago but this was this was amazing i'm glad to hear that and when i pitched it i was very calculated in comparing it to uh name of the wind for that reason that priority on this idea of storytelling whereas uh patrick roth is just kind of exploring the art of telling stories through his characters uh ursula Kayla Gwynn is actually telling a story in the storytelling kind of way, and their prose ends up yes. having a lot of similarities. And it's this storytelling, artistic kind of prose that really pulls you in. And I'm glad to hear that 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 you liked it. And a part of the reason why I thought you would was just because of how close to the vest you have Kingkiller play to you. So that's yes. one of the reasons that I recommended it in the first well, place. Charles, for so many reasons, I was thinking about the Kingkiller Chronicle yes. when I was reading this mm-hmm. series. Not just the Magic School, and we won't spoil the Kingkiller Chronicle during this. Um, right. But we, yeah, there's magical school elements to it, which are also elements of the Kingkiller Chronicle. And all, yeah, I think that one of the most interesting differences to the way that the stories are told, despite it both being this storytelling, mm-hmm. is that. It feels like in A Wizard of Earthsea, we have, like I said, Ursula K. Le Guin and all of her wisdom telling us a story about Ged. Mm. And then in The Kingkiller Chronicle, we have Quoth or Coat telling his own story and the ways in which (laughs) Ursula is able to see Ged's naivety and tell us, the reader, like, here's the way in which Ged had folly in this moment coat uh, telling his own story in the king killer chronicle you know he's still stuck to his own perspective and he isn't always sometimes he's able to point out where he went awry but he you know he's still biased in this i'm the hero of my own story way right so it's interesting i just feel I haven't ever heard Patrick Rothfuss talk about his influences, really, but I, how could it not? Yeah. It feels like it have involved a wizard of Earthsea because I just saw so many parallels, and there's these moments, too, in A Kingkiller Chronicle where other characters are telling stories that almost feel like a wizard oh, of Earthsea yeah. wrapped into The Kingkiller Chronicle in its own ways. And yes, that prose, Charles. Oh, yeah, so good. I know. I there's so, so many much. fantastic quotes in Wizard of Earthsea that I'm super excited to get yeah. into. The other background information that I thought was super interesting 
was this was basically in the 60s a publisher was like hey ursula there's this uh, writing for teenagers is all the rage how about you I love, write us I one love of these books here and she was like okay I, I never thought of like how to write for teenagers and her approach to writing the story was super calculated from the beginning and my version of a wizard of earthsea had um, this kind of notes from the author at the end, and she gets into exactly all the calculated moves that she put behind the purpose of this novel. And, you know, there's a couple subversion things that she definitely wanted to do, which we can get into later. They're super interesting. But the main one being was, okay, well, it's a book for teenagers, but I'm going to write it to be read by anyone. And that is kind of a breakthrough, honestly, where it's like, hey, just because it's YA doesn't mean it's exclusively well, written. Well, YA for... wasn't even written. Exactly. Like, this was what Not it was like. Yet. I yeah. know. This was like the beginning. There was like, I think she said, a novel for teenagers. They hadn't quite named the genre yet. But she was like, well, I'll write it for teenagers, but I'll write it in a way where it can be read and appreciated by anyone. Your teenagers are adults, too, and are going through the same stuff that we've all gone through in our well they're people too yeah and they're people too. by nature teenagers are not adults I, <laughs> and well, she actually I says that plus, i think yeah. at some point one like, of the lines teenagers like, are adults too yeah or people too or something yeah like that. oh yeah it was something yeah, that i she, think she does she was, she was kind of alluding to and you you think that that's obvious but it's kind of a breakthrough for this book and i think that's what put this book over the over the top and has held its place and like must read fantasy for so long is it's this idea of well, Merlin and Gandalf must have been young, right? Uh, when they were kids, how'd they learn to be wizards? And what does it mean to learn to be a wizard? And she says, I knew where he, meaning our main character, Ged, was going, where he had to go, not only to learn to be a wizard, but to learn to be Ged. And yeah. that's the distinction that like, takes this book like into the S tier of, of like all these kind of fantasy themes, right? It's like not just learning to be a wizard, but learning to be himself. And I was like, oh, Dylan's going to be all over that <laughs> as a psychology <laughs> student. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I was definitely all over that. I, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things, not, not just those identity pieces that I, I definitely gravitated toward, but pieces about, dealing with trauma was yeah. another thing that mm -hmm. uh, came up for me. And this isn't one that I see, like it wasn't on the Wikipedia page or anything like that. So it might've been, you know, like I am, I'm a grad student in psychology. So that's kind of my auto filter that I see things <laughs> through, not necessarily trauma, although sometimes, but like psych, like what's the psychological interpretation like the psychology of, lens this. Yeah. of this yeah. event. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the whole of the, the crux of this story, right, revolves around this idea of Ged summons this shadow at some at one point. Uh, it ends up uh, killing one of his mentors, and uh, I I gotta find that it's something with an N, right? Yeah. It's, so uh, it ends up he ends up killing the um, the archmage yes. at the time. So, and his name is uh, Nemerel, N-E-M-M-E-R-L-E, -E -E, Nemerel. Nemerel? Yes. So, all right. Then, so he ends up in a roundabout way getting Nemerel killed because Nemerel has to sacrifice himself in order to, 
he like expends all his energy to banish the shadow yes well i guess because the shadow's still around it's more like to prevent the shadow from killing ged it seems like like overtaking him completely Mm. and then yeah it's ged running away from this darker shadow and i guess a lot of the way that Ursula K. Le Guin was thinking about it and people have interpreted it as the shadow is like the dark side of Ged and the fact that we all have the capability for evil and our acts can produce evil and right it's just like uh, power like the Spider-Man thing right yeah, with great, great power, power comes yeah. great responsibility and we have right. to learn that any act could be it could be evil or could be good and we have to figure out which one is going to be before we decide and it feels like that's like the main way that people tend to interpret this a lot of i was seeing that too i guess a lot of the way i was thinking about was like from this perspective of trauma where ged is having to like deal with the shadow of having killed one of his mentors and carrying that around with him everywhere and he's running from it so much but then you know i'm in counseling psych so oh one of the pretty much the way that it's empirically supported or like the research supports how one deals with trauma in a therapeutic setting is through these uh, treatments that involve facing and or making sense of the traumatic event and it's only really when Ged is able to like turn around and face the shadow mm-hmm. and uh, like accept that it's part of him and his experience that he's able to overcome all of these things that have tortured him for so long. And, and I thought like, that's, that's a thing that was spinning through my head a lot like mm-hmm. that and, and stuff about death that maybe we can get into. (laughs) Uh, No, I really appreciate your perspective on that because I think it's absolutely true. And one of the things that I love, love, love about this book that we don't get a lot of in fiction and in fantasy in particular is that, you know, there's connotations to things being bad, but they're not necessarily evil all of the time right you have this kind of yin and yang and they coexist it's not like you just only have good and you try to avoid evil and bad things as much as possible it's a balance and for me what i loved about the story is that all the evil in this book is basically a misunderstanding of like what this evil is or what the balance or like what ged understands from himself right the shadow isn't it does bad things, but it's not inherently evil. He embraces it and it becomes a part of himself. It's because he didn't understand the shadow and he didn't confront the shadow that it was able to fester and do all these things. But it's like you said, it's when you pursue it head on and you embrace it and you acknowledge it as part of yourself that you're able to exist with it. So this idea of like, just because something is bad doesn't mean it it's not a part of you and it doesn't coexist with the good things as well. So those themes ring so honest and true in this in this story and I don't know if I've read a story quite like it where it takes that very calculated, you know, people call it these Taoist themes about about balance and equilibrium of of um good and evil, but to me it's just this idea of like Hey, we 
have these parts of ourselves that are confusing, that we're scared of, or maybe they're yeah. traumatic. And that makes us part of who we are. It's our identity. It's not something we need to block off, avoid, run away from, like personify it as something evil that's separate from yourself, you know? And those themes are like through this idea of a shadow, it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. There's a quote, one of the ones I highlighted that is what one does not know one fears. And that's, it's very simply stated by this, yeah, this idea of, uh, be, you know, uh, be it trying to, actually wrestle with and deal with the emotions that one is facing in the aftermath of uh, trauma and, and seek acceptance, like, which is kind of how I, I was thinking about it and how some of these like treatments in, in therapy would think about helping someone like accept the, the bad of like, this event was terrible and that's okay. Cause you know, oh, like here I am now, I'm, and I can, I can live even though it's happened. Mm -hmm. And then this idea too of just like this could be a darker side of my identity and who I am, and I have these like negative. I mean, negative is probably not the the Taoist way of thinking about it, but these sort of like uh, darker elements to who I am and I've made mistakes and those kind of things and like those things forget a lot of times it seems like our pride and the I guess wanting to make oneself appear stronger or more powerful rather than just accepting like this is where I am at right now and this is who, who I am and I think acceptance for me is one of the biggest themes here that's really well said uh, one of the more obvious themes that this book is to me one of the shining examples of is this idea of coming of age and yes. it ursula T k Le Guin takes such a serious and like philosophical approach to coming of age through magic and through the fantastic that I, I I've rarely read before. I mean, there's this, we get tons of these coming of age stories over and over again of, you know, someone being born and there's some sort of chosen one and thrusts them on an adventure. They overthrow evil. Like we get these stories so much, especially in the modern age, but like mm. the recent fantasy, mean, uh, <laughs> that word we learned, Bildungsroman, Bildungsroman, yes. Bildungsroman, which we yeah, learned novel. from this uh, a show at some point. Yeah, I uh, from FDF that is um, a novel dealing with one's person's formative years or spiritual education, and mm. that word appears on a Wizard of Earthsea's Wikipedia page, and people say it around this a lot too. Right, and to to come back to this idea of like the good and evil about yourself, and also it's just the the spider-man idea of using power responsibly there's this quote right. that i read in this uh in this book that i absolutely love it might be my favorite my most favorite quote in all of earthsea wow and, and it, that's high praise because <laughs> i don't know if i've ever highlighted my like highlights per page I mean, I, this might be the highest. And we've yeah. read the Kinkiller I've read the Kinkiller Chronicle multiple yeah. times. So we do a whole thing called quotes, yeah. quotes. <laughs> yes. So this is high praise. So but let's hear one of your favorite of Earth, quotes. See, here's one of my yes. favorites. Let's hear it. And so Ged is 
meeting with one of his early masters, and don't quote me on this, but I believe <laughs> it is uh, Ogion that yes. says this. And that he, was a, he was an awesome character, by the way. Awesome character, great teacher too, and we can yes. get into that. But For great sure. mentor, actually. When we did that mentors oh, yeah. episode back he in the day, he, he could have been in there. He was so easily in there. And oh, yeah. um, but I will read some of his advice here, which I think it's his advice. Uh, and the truth is that as a man's real power grows and his knowledge widens. Ever the way he can follow grows narrower until at last he chooses nothing but does only and wholly what he must do. I highlighted that too. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow, that's a great quote. And it's this idea that, you know, with more knowledge and more power, there's always this idea of like, oh, the more you know, the less you realize that you know, you know, like that kind of thing. But this idea of responsibility as you become older and more independent and things like this it's like oh there's obviously these are the right things to do and i'm guided by doing the right thing and it's just from growing up and maturing and recognizing some of these things where it's almost like the action is taken away from you as you understand like what the right thing to do is and i I don't know that, that quote just rang true for me yeah yeah that's a great quote charles and this idea of equilibrium comes up a lot in Mm -hmm. A Wizard of Earthsea and that in a lot of ways the greatest wisdom is just to be in touch with and accepting of your nature and not try to resist or do things different or try to change things too much or anything like that and one of the things that stuck out to me you know he has he has that pet um, I think Jeez, uh, was it called Oaken or something like that? Do right. you have that anywhere? Charles? The name of the pet, no, but it was something like um, yeah. It had a short, cute name. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So he had he has that pet, and it is uh, kind of just you know might as well be a dog, but it's not a dog because uh, you know it's a fantasy novel here. And there's a point where Ged is almost just dead. I think it's right after the shadow situation when he first summons it. And this is the one of the quotes I highlighted. Later, when Ged thought back upon that night, he knew that had none touched him when he lay the spirit lost, had none called him back in some way, he might have been lost for good. It was only the dumb, instinctive wisdom of the beast who licks his hurt companion to comfort him. And yet, in that wisdom, Ged saw something akin to his own power, something that went as deep as wizardry. From that time forth, he believed that the wise man is one who never sets himself apart from other living things, whether they have speech or not. And in later years, he strove long to learn what can be learned in silence from the eyes of animals, the flight of birds, the great slow gestures of trees. And I think that quote you brought up, Charles, of Ogion. I highlighted this too, of, by the way. And yeah, it's not Ogion. No, I'm going to correct. It's the it's the summoner. The One summoner. of the people at the school gave okay. that advice. Yeah, so the summoner. 
bring that up and kind of the way that Ogion lives his life too yes. I, I know why you thought it was Ogion mm, because thank you. <laughs> he just Ogion just goes about his life as kind of this like wanderer he doesn't really ever use he lets magic. get go he because kinda, he recognizes he let, sure. that's the right thing to do and all well, those things it's about acceptance of like it's not his life to live I think it's yeah. like I here's the thing that I want is for you to stay with me and to be where I'm at right now. And I also understand that you make your own choices and that you're not there yet. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go if that's what you desire, which is what like, dude, you that's someone you set them free. So, yeah. <laughs> you do, you do. And, and Charles, the, the, this, uh, going back to your, your quote, which was this idea of like, just the the wisdom of not trying to do any more than you must right. and i think that's kind of part of what's like what's gotten at for lack of a better way of phrasing it by wizard of earthsea where early on the things i get is doing when he's first coming into his power and he doesn't know better it, about, like he is very juvenile naive and prideful and all these kind of things is he just starts taking control of these animals who are living in equilibrium mm-hmm. with the world. And he like calls the Hawks and stuff like that and makes them do his bidding. And it's like this idea of a Hawk just going about being a Hawk. <laughs> There's nothing more wise in a lot of yeah. ways than that. And humans almost have this curse in some ways of like not being in touch with that at a fundamental level just like what does it mean to be a human and just go about being human and for Ged and for many of us it's this journey of like <laughs> being stuck in our thoughts and our emotions and all these no. kind of things yeah. and saying where does this all come together for me to just be a person and it's yeah. only when Ged starts to accept like I'm a person in all of what that means that he's you know he's really learned his lessons and that's incredibly this. well said and it brings me back to again we were saying that Ursula K. Le Guin was very calculated when she wrote this book and one of the things that she mentions in the notes afterwards is there's no wars in Earthsea no soldiers no armies no battles and she's made that conscious decision to avoid those kinds of conflicts because it's going back to what you said there's some sort of power and equilibrium in an animal just loving a human being that is almost as powerful as being a mage. And to expand on that quote that I had given from the summoner right before he says that bit about, you know, being wise means doing what's required of you is you thought as a boy that a mage is one who can do anything. So I thought once, so did we all. This idea that what is power? Power doesn't mean you can do anything or that you're stronger than someone else. Power means you have this, you know, understanding of the world. And once the more powerful you become, the more connected you are in it. And mm. by removing wars and battles and from the equation in this story, you can focus more on the emotional idea of power and this individual psychology of power as well. Yeah, that's well said, Charles. And Dude, I am, I am in absolute awe of Ursula. I, <laughs> I know. I can't believe this is. You know, Charles, you've at times dragged me kicking and screaming <laughs> back into the <laughs> more. Uh, I guess the word is seminal works uh, the, of right, fantasy. The These like <laughs> classics is a much uh, more direct <laughs> way to say that, and I. 
you know, at times I haven't enjoyed those as much as a lot of the more modern stuff. And I'll say this is a time where I'm like, oh, like this was a clearly a bias of like the older stuff doesn't have much to offer that Ursula has made me confront in myself and learn to try to accept that <laughs> shadow that I've been maybe unnecessarily biased against some of these older works and that like Ursula Ursula's work that she put out in it was what 1968 you said yeah that has so much to offer and that she put out for teenagers basically in 1968 <laughs> has so much to offer me I feel like as an adult <laughs> in in 2021 <laughs> yeah. I have, it's like amazing because I it's almost in a lot of ways it feels like the story is one of uh not being so hasty <laughs> yeah i know and this so much of modern fantasy is about wars and battles and politics and like seeing this kind of grim dark perception of humanity and part of what i love about classic fantasy is that it comes back to the human condition it's more of this epic storytelling adventure kind of way to explore the human condition and i can't think of a better example than a wizard of earth sea it's it's really one of those stories that hits right down to the human condition it's such a study on coming of age and of power and of self-acceptance that only can be told through this fantastical this fantastical story and the purpose of removing which I mean, I love like the violence and and wars and battles and sword fights and things of modern fantasy. Love it completely, but the conscious effort to not have that it services this story super super well. And I just thought it was one of those really interesting, calculated, like a better word, subversions that that Ursula chose to put into Earthsea. Yeah, I I agree, Charles. It's. It's not something I realized until I I started seeing it as a thing that got brought up a lot uh, here, and I guess it was even more revolutionary during the like the time that Ursula K. Le Guin was writing this to deliberately leave out war because we have. I guess I I do think of things like the Kingkiller Chronicle and stuff like that that aren't about war so much. Uh, anything that comes now, but it's possible that a lot of those modern works wouldn't feel free to do that if Ursula K. Le Guin didn't come in 50 plus years ago and say like, no, you can write a, you know, another thing that comes to mind is something like, like Robin Hobb's work. And we know Robin Hobb, we know from a Twitter <laughs> interaction yeah. with her that we yes. had that uh, as simple as her liking a post that you wrote about, uh, a wizard of earth sea we know that she really appreciates this work and you think of someone like robin hobb who writes a very like person focused reflective tale about person that just so happens to be in a fantasy setting and you i mean it's clear for a lot of reasons that it's <laughs> like kayla quinn's work influenced robin hobb who's such a great and modern fantasy yeah i know and there's so many just 
powerful moments packed into this into this short story that I think have rippled into modern fantasy and or even have subverted modern fantasy when you read it now in 2021 (laughs) you're like oh it's kind of lampooning a lot of these grimdark things that were super popular and so it's it's like funny just to time is a flat circle exactly and there's this one like little quick moment in Ursi that I think is kind of appropriate to bring up now that I really loved in the plot there was this moment where Ged decides he needs to leave the school and there's the dude blocking the door. Yeah. And he's I like, you, moment. you can't get like, you can leave, <laughs> but you have to get through me to do it. And he's, he gets thinking about it and he's thinking about well, it's it. like, you need to know my name. Like, yeah. You have to figure out he's, my name. Yeah. You have it's to like, figure, how you out figure it out. Exactly. I know. And he's like trying to come up with a strategy and he's like, maybe I could overtake him. But then he's like, I have one question for you. And he's like, okay, ask it. And he goes, well, what is your name? And then the doorkeeper smiles and tells him his name and lets them out it's something that's like that's so profound it happens so quickly oh, yeah. but it's like oh in fantasy it's always like this question like oh we just assume that it's something he's gotta be clever enough to figure out and it is clever to just ask him it is but why would that be clever why are we so guarded like this is this idea of trust like to ask someone's name is a big deal to know someone's name is a powerful thing but he just had to ask you know there's some beautiful simplicity poetry in that moment yeah, and in the world of Earthsea that I've seen so far, I know there's more books, pretty much it's it's typically rewarded when you just stop overthinking and you get more in touch with, like, let's just be present in this moment. And this person is saying, you need to know my name. And we can try to almost disassociate from that moment and, like, be above it and try to come up with some conniving scheme to trick the person into getting their name or it could be present with another person and just say okay what's your name you said i need to know your name what's your name and then they can be present with you and say here's my name and those sort of just genuine just like in the moment interactions are the ones that are valued by i think ursula k Le Guin in this story that's well said it's it's amazing how much he was able to pack into this. I said that already, but I, I, I just rereading it was, it was just as rewarding as when I read it the first time. I think I picked up a lot more of the themes this time around, being a bit more of a discerning reader now than I was back then. And I was also listening to it on the audiobook, which that's a, it's a really, you unique, were the first time, the first saying, time I this, was. Yeah. yeah. And that's a unique way to listen to this. Like I forget who the narrator was, but he told it in a very like story time way. He was very dramatic with the narration portion as well as the character voices. So it was dramatic the entire time, which I, I think caused some of the subtlety of it to slip through the cracks for me. So just re rereading it was a rewarding experience and cracking into these things. I guess, Dylan, I'm kind of curious, was the shadow having Ged's name, this something you hadn't considered up until that point, or was this something you were working towards? I think I was, wor- I read this in basically two sittings. So it wasn't like it's short. Um, yeah. And, and I, I didn't follow uh, Logan Ninefinger's advice of once you've got a task to do, better do it than... Not that I was living with the fear of it, but... Um, <laughs> sorry, the, f- the full advice is better do it than live with the fear of it. And I I, I procrastinate a little bit with uh, Wizard of Earthsea. And then once I cracked it open, I 
I just started cranking through it. So mm-hmm. I think to, to, to answer your question, Charles, maybe I was starting to get there, but I, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, and then he's going to say his name and then the shadow is going to yeah. be like, oh, you got it. It was good the whole time. I wasn't there yet. I right. think I was, if you gave me some time to sit with it, maybe because like it made sense when it happened. Yeah. I was like, oh, of course. But I wasn't like, this will be the ending. So I guess, yeah, the, the answer is probably I was working toward it, but I did not know. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Charles? Do you remember the first time you read it? Or this time, had did you remember that the answer was Ged's name? I remembered that the answer was Ged's name, but I don't remember like ever figuring out or even thinking to puzzle it out. It's not really presented yeah. as a mystery, but you the mystery is how is he going to defeat this shadow that has no name? Right. right? That's like the premise. And the answer is, oh, it had a name all along. It was it was it was part of him. And reading through it again, there are some like sneaky things like thirty percent of the way into this book there's a quote and it goes uh it is the shadow of your arrogance the shadow of your ignorance the shadow you cast has a shadow a name you know so they're like Mm. it's like this is a shadow you cast and it's of your ignorance what's the name of it you know like the way they set it up and right even in the first third of this book it, it it's um it's the clues are there, like you said. It was almost inevitable that it happened, but it happens in such a great way where it's like it's an honest reveal, but it's not one you were like desperately trying to puzzle out or one that you had figured out super early on. It's just a, it's just the great progression of the story. It's like it can be so hard to land the the ending, you know, where so many stories are like, and then he discovered the truth about himself and in that moment summoned <laughs> extra courage and power to defeat the bad guy <laughs> where instead it's like he summoned extra courage and power to accept these things about yeah. himself and oh, uh, embraced it you so know where, where it's like that's the difference and that's the the, the ursula k Le Guin difference right of uh, <laughs> just what her priorities are in terms of power and of victory and of conflict you know it's not this external battle of five armies it's it's uh, it's someone trying to embrace their full selves and it makes it so relatable this is i i wish i read this when i'm glad i have read it now and i wish although i feel like ursula k Le Guin would uh would advise me to just accept things or uh, would would probably let me go through my own crap until I get there myself and uh yeah I it would have been nice to have read this as a teenager and it's awesome to have read it now I think it's just a lot of lessons that would have been really helpful oh, for for, sure. for me as someone who struggle who's like struggled with hastiness even till today um, yeah I read this book post college like, yeah. and I agree with you there's some lessons that could have I don't know if I would have received them well in my teenage years but there's certainly lessons I wish I had understood and here's one where it's um because remember we were at the top of the episode you were talking about how it was Ged's decision to pursue the shadow and you were looking at that through the psychology lens of how it like empowered him and caused him to accept some of these things and I think the quote that summarizes that and one that I wish I had read maybe earlier in my life than after college maybe as a teenager was uh, Mm -hmm. at last he sought this danger of his own will and the nearer he came to it the more sure he was that for this time at least for this hour perhaps before his death he was free 
And it's that idea of like, I've been living this life afraid and reserved and quiet and defeated. And now that I'm actually doing something about it, I've never felt better, even if maybe it will lead to my ruin. And that's like, hey, you know, like, that's fantastic advice for a teenager who's not sure about who they are and is maybe hesitant to put themselves out there or something like that. It's like the pursuit of it is the empowering thing and accepting yourself is the empowering thing. And, and it's like, to me, it's like the quintessential coming of age theme almost. Yeah. That's well said, Charles. And you're bringing up death now, which is one of the things like you sold me on this story was that you mentioned existential themes and themes of death in your pitch during friends pitching fantasy. And, you know, I, I kind of latched <laughs> on to that as one there on that episode too. I remember. <laughs> yes, I a little bit. I I gave you an out. I said like <laughs> you like if you can without spoiling, uh, <laughs> like let me know how this gets into existential themes, mm-hmm. uh, which you did a phenomenal job of, Charles. Thank you. And I think that the other sort of interpretation that I was that was going through my head and about the shadow was thinking about the shadow almost as death so you could think about or like the idea of death Mm -hmm. that kind of no matter where we're going death is looming right like you cannot escape death it's part of life or part of you in a way uh it's part of just life right there's this there's this quote kind of with the uh, it's like uh, to to light a candle is to cast a shadow and there's some of these quotes around yeah, that's a that's a good line and kind of like it takes. Let's see if I can find the one on um, uh, on silence because it's like there. Oh yes, for a word to be spoken, there must be silence before and after. Is another mm, quote. I remember that line. Um, and that's literally following that one is following when um, uh, when it's asked what of death, um. That's asked by a, um, the the sister. She has a a name. I'm sure that <laughs> I'm not getting here. But Vect sister uh, asked that. I think. Okay. That's the. Am I getting these? Vetch. Vetch is the name. Sorry. <laughs> Vetch, Vetch is, is a friend. I'm not yeah. getting the. Yes. I'm, I, not getting I'm happy the with Vetch. So well. <laughs> Vetch. Yeah. V e t c h. Vetch's sister. At, asks what of death and she's honestly she's like a very wise character i think in a lot of ways that we can get to another mm-hmm. point but it, the that's when gets us for word to be spoken there must be silence before and after and this is where ged has more wisdom is getting toward the end of the novel and it's like it, the shadow is basically this like through this interpretation is basically this idea of death that can haunt you your entire life and keep you from living your life in a way that's actually in line with your values in line with the things that you want to pursue you were kind of getting at that charles too Mm -hmm. with this like accepting yourself and just like do being and doing the things you want those kind of things and i felt like you could see it as uh like accepting that moment uh, like like okay well if i'm going to exist i'm going to have a shadow um if i'm going to be alive i'm going to 
die. Uh, and accepting that is when Ged truly becomes himself and is able to then go on and live his life. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really like a really powerful way to think about it. Yeah, no, I agree totally. There's so many great moments in those scenes with uh, Vetch's sister, who I'm trying to find the name of, and and then and with Ged, and they have all these great talks where she's like, Ex- "Explain to me magic, come on, you like let let <laughs> me like let me in on some of these ideas," and then uh, Ged's trying to explain like, "Oh, I could summon a meat pie, and I could <laughs> taste it, and it could even be filling, but it remains a word." And it's fools the stomach and gives no strength to the hungry man. Oh, and her name is Mir, I believe. And she goes, wizards then are not cooks, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> is uh, I thought was just kind of a funny moment. And it comes back to this idea of like, yeah, it's all the power in the world. Like, it's not going to feel it. You know, it's you're not a cook at the end of the day. You know, I just thought that was kind of funny, <laughs> like to kind of think of those moments. And it's like, yeah, there's kind of wisdom in in, in saying that, too. Yeah, well, I think that the way that I think of her as a character, and can you say say her name again? M-U-R-R-E. I'm going to call it Mir. Mir. Yeah. Let's, sure. So Mira as a character, she's oh, compared Yero? to... Oh, right. I'm going to get us in trouble. That so sounds more Mir accurate. Mir and there's Yarrow. There's two characters, so Yarrow. Yarrow sounds more is accurate. The, is, the, is the sister. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Say that one more time. Charles Yarrow? Yep, Y-A-R-R-O-W. Okay. So then Yarrow is uh, compared, like, her actual true name, which is a whole other concept in here, translates to Minnow. And at one point, it, it said, she is like a little fish, a minnow that swims in a clear creek, he said. Defenseless, yet you cannot catch her. And I was thinking of this idea of the clear creek and her being compared to a, a minnow or an animal as being in line with this way that the animals have a lot more wisdom than do the people in Wizard of Earthsea, like we were talking about before. And the clear creek, meaning that she can, like, she can see through clearly. She can see through what's actually going on. This minnow is not a powerful creature, but it's an understanding one and one that equilibrium with their place in the world, you know? So it's like, oh, minnow in a clear creek is an animal that is in its environment and is and is fully understanding of their yes. place in it. And then the minnow is kind of just like, oh, no, she's not a mage. You know, she's not this all-powerful mage, but she is wise. And I believe yeah. that's the kind of the invite, the, the comparison that this minnow metaphor is inviting. Yeah, I completely agree. It's And she's called wise explicitly in the text. Mm-hmm. There's... The thought of her brought to his mind the sense of her wise and childish sweetness. And there's that piece, too, which is almost there's there's a wisdom in a child just being a child that almost like Ged didn't have in 
his childhood. Ged was always trying to pump himself up when he was a kid, try to be more than he was, and have all of this power that he didn't really have. You know, he mm-hmm. was a uh, he was a shepherd from the River R. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of sheep herders from rivers <laughs> in uh, fantasy novels, but this sheep herder, unlike our <laughs> unlike Rand was from actually the Wheel of Time, for a while. was yeah actually. <laughs> <laughs> and probably That's actually like say, looks right? <laughs> no. Uh, so this sheep herder is like Rand is early on in Wheel of Time. It's not a spoiler to say he Rand is characterized by his reluctance. That's like part of why Robert Jordan wrote the Wheel of Time was wanting to write this like reluctant hero character. Mm-hmm. And Ged growing up is the opposite. He is a shepherd from a place with river in the name. And he wants to be more. He wants to be powerful. He wants to impress everyone and show him how great he is. And there's these awesome lines that really resonated for me. Like I was a, you knew me when I was a kid, Charles. <laughs> like uh, as a kid that struggled with a lot of this stuff too, of like when you're not sure what someone is saying, you don't understand. Um, a big part of this story is like understanding then you don't fear. Um, when you don't understand and you're insecure, you replace that with like, this person has to be mocking me. And that happens all the time to get early on. Yeah. It's like he, because he's so insecure and not accepting of himself as a child who doesn't have power yet he's constantly like going out of his way to try to wield power and causing issues in his life and issues for those around him yeah and you know jasper his rival at school is presented as someone who was from maybe a more wealthy family or noble Mm -hmm. family or something like that and there was these like classist jokes and he called him like a sheep herder or something like that and and a shepherder or something like that a goader, I think it was. Um, Which Rand would have been like, thank you. Yeah, he's like, that's what I've been saying this whole time. <laughs> but Ged is like, like, what? Like, I'll test your merit against mine any day. And that's what, like, brings the shadow into the school and kind of kicks off a lot of the issues here was, um, you know, we we see the shadow for the first time when Ged is trying to impress somebody when he's a child. And then now at the school, it comes back and attacks him when he's actually trying to show off against Jasper. So, yeah, I mean, there's the obvious parallel that, you know, the, the shadow is born from all of these insecurities and all of this um, fronting of being competitive and trying to use power to, like, defeat someone else or humiliate someone else or be better than someone else. It's, that's just not how the world works. And when you go against the nature of that, of how the world works and the, how the energy of the world works, you're going to cause this shadowy disruption to form, you know, some basically exactly. where the story's going. If, <laughs> if Ged was just like, yeah, I grew up a sheep herder, <laughs> like... And now I'm in a wizard school. That is the reality. I accept those things. Then, you know, <laughs> this would have been, been a much less interesting yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> but it would have been easier on. There would have been a lot less conflict for Ged. But he had to right. go had through to... the process of learning that yeah. that was like you know by the end of it, Ged. Yeah. You know, he'd probably be pretty willing to say, "Yes, I grew up as a shepherd." Yeah, and this is the quote at the very end of the book that I think summarizes that, where Geddes goes, "And he began to see the truth 
that Ged had neither lost nor won, but naming the shadow of his death with his own name, had made himself whole, a man who, knowing his whole true self, cannot be used or possessed by any power other than himself, and whose life, therefore, is lived for life's sake. If he had known that lesson yeah. when he was dealing with Jasper, it's like, I know that I was a shepherd, and like that's cool. You know, it's like, I'm down with that. But this idea of having to learn that lesson, and that's ultimately the lesson that he takes away from this. That's that's so true, Charles. That makes me think about what we were talking about earlier too, with the like acceptance of of death or trauma or right. or just this darker side of your personality toward the greater pursuit of like. Well, once you've said like all that's just the case, and I accept it, then you can, that's when the living starts. Yeah. That that's when you can just go about your life and try to be present with it and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, I'm not going to spoil Game of Thrones, but there's a famous line by Tyrion where he's like, yeah. take what they say that's in like and the make first... it a shield that so they can't yeah. use it against you. Like own it and make it a part of yourself, right? So it's like, oh, you're a, like, people are making fun of you for being a bastard son. Just mm-hmm. accept that you're a bastard and then it won't. It'll wear it like armor. Wear it like armor. Yes, thank you. I was yeah. just talking about shields. <laughs> wear it like armor, and it can't <laughs> yeah. be used against you. And so it, it, it parallels that really well. It's that yeah. same lesson of I've, self-acceptance. Just has... I've got the quote. Oh, great. <laughs> From uh, Tyrion. And this is in the first episode of the Game of Thrones show, to, uh, just in it's case. It's not a spoiler. Yeah. 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 Um, if anything, it's a reason to watch it and yeah, read the book. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tyrion... I think this is the show quote because it's a little different in the in the books, but it's one of them. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor, and it can never be used to hurt you. And I think that is the kind of advice that would have made a lot of sense for Ged to hear, like you're talking about, yeah, Charles, yeah. where it's like, yeah, you are nervous about being like from these humble beginnings of being a shepherd, and like you don't want people to treat you in that way. Well, guess what? If you... <laughs> They can only do that to you insofar as you are insecure about the fact that you are a shepherd, like you right. were a shepherd from the river R, and now you're in a magic school. Yeah, exactly. Like it says, they can't hurt you if you accept self, that. He cannot be used or possessed by any power other than himself. Or it's like, okay, you know who you are. You know your whole self, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And that bad, I'm doing air quotes because it's not necessarily evil it's just this other side of you and you accept those things about yourself and it's that doesn't so therefore other people don't have power over you you don't have a jasper character goading you into a duel they can't right they you. can't yeah exactly so what that's are they gonna do to the, goad you if you that's accept the, the power things. that's being like fantasticized into this like literal power but um it's this idea that, hey, if you weren't insecure about being a shepherd and being younger than Jasper and having less life experience than Jasper, you wouldn't have challenged him to a duel and summoned the shadow. And the shadow wouldn't have had to be banished by the archmage who then would have died, you know, like and you would. Right. And now you're all scarred up and stuff like that. You know, it's like it, it stems from a very honest human experience, which is part of growing up, which is what makes this a great coming of age tale. <laughs> That's, I totally agree, Charles. <laughs> I, and dude, there, 
there's so much to talk about. I feel like there's yeah. so much depth to. Oh, and how could we not? I want to make sure we give a shout out to Wise Fool, <laughs> yeah, who has yeah. been. I mean, I wish he did that at the top of the so show because, yeah. yeah, Wise Fool has been championing championing this book and wanting us to. That's one. Uh, one of our listeners and uh, buddies on the social media platforms who has been listening since like our first episode. Mm-hmm. And one of the first exchanges we ever had with a listener, Charles was like wise fool <laughs> telling us <laughs> to, read like, to read a wizard of Earthsea. Um, yeah. Before all the other stuff that now everyone wants us to read, it's, it was a wizard of Earthsea and wise fool telling us. And I think, it was it his makes... comments that made me like, you yes. know what? That's a something that I'll consider next time we go into Friends Pitching Fantasy because you made me think of Earthsea in another way. And mm-hmm. it was the way he was able to describe it. I was like, this is actually a great book to pitch to Dylan for a whole lot of ways. <laughs> I think it yeah. was we did a King Killer Recommendations episode and he was like, Earth Sea people I've been saying like hello. <laughs> yes. And so I was well, like it makes so much sense. And now. I was like, I never thought to compare Earth Sea to King Killer and I had read both and I it just never came up for me. And then he said it and it was like a whole series of thoughts clicked in my brain and I was like, I'm pitching this next friend's pitching fantasy and I'm gonna sell it to Dylan and we'll see if he goes for it. And oh yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I forgot that Wisefool brought up in the context of a like it was King a King Killer, Killer recommendation, he, and that's how Robin Hobb got involved. Yeah, that's sure, how too, Robin Hobb was saying. Because I came trilogy. in to reply to Wisefool, being like, "Hey, yeah, there's all these comparisons," <laughs> and then Robin Hobb liked it, and now we're here. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's that's so interesting, and that was such a great context for Wisefool to bring it up because. That was exactly what was going through my head constantly throughout this series. Was like, I was thinking about Kingkiller Chronicle more than any other series. Oh yeah, definitely. While reading this, definitely. it makes so much sense. So yeah, thank you to Wise Fool for like putting us down a path that eventually started, that eventually got us here. I, yeah, I don't know. It's been a journey, uh, not unlike Ged's, to <laughs> to get here. So yeah, thanks, Wise Fool. Yes, thank you, Wise Fool. It's true, and I'm really glad that you liked it. Um, I'm glad I've been able to turn you on to a lot of older fantasy, and I had a feeling that I knew your subjective tastes enough that this was gonna, this was gonna scratch an itch oh, yeah. for you. And it seems it totally like it went did. beyond that. So that's super exciting and i'm excited to read um all systems red which i cracked the cover i'm like 10 percent in and it's already like whereas this book takes itself very very seriously uh, uh all systems red seems to be a bit more satirical and humorous so it's funny to read them back to back and i, I i'm just looking forward to it is all i'm saying it, it's it's gonna be a lot oh of fun. yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean <laughs> This is what we do on Friends Talking, <laughs> especially when we do back-to-back pitched books for me and you. It's yeah. like, or from you and me in this case, it like we'll do this uh, classic. Like it feels very, it's like just very influential mm-hmm. classic work from the 1960s of fantasy that set off so many things. All the way now to a very, very modern (laughs) sci-fi book (laughs) in the Murderbots Diaries and All Systems Red. So, uh, you know, we're covering the gambit with these two. And yeah, I'm pumped. It's been 
it's been awesome. I really didn't know I would enjoy Wizard of Ritzy this much. So I, That's I great. yeah, and I appreciate you pitching it and bringing it in here. Charles. Yeah, well, it's you been... know, there's many other books in the series. There's many scenes that we didn't even get to discuss, like the scene where he's marooned on the island with the two siblings, and like all these other things that we can oh, go yeah. back and talk about later on that are just kind of interesting little thought pieces to get into. Um, there's movies. I think I said that, but um, I think there's like a Miyazaki film. You know, that really? an animated film. Of, wow. of Earthsea that we could potentially watch and and discuss. Mm. Ursula's gone on record being like they missed the point, but <laughs> we can watch uh. that and decide for ourselves. She seemed like a, a a tough critic, and I think she understands the story at a much higher level than uh. Uh, you know. I I can see I, some of the themes. Being I missed. find myself thinking that she, if she said that, I find myself thinking she's probably yeah, accurate but I, i'll try to go in with an open mind yeah. if we do do that I, so there's so. options and and we'll see if people if people are interested in hearing us talk more about Earthsea, we will happily deliver because there's so oh, much yeah. more we can sink our teeth into in this oh yeah no i have i have several ideas for episodes <laughs> on too. a wizard of Earthsea, yeah. so we'll we'll take a look at the reaction here um definitely you know we'll uh, we always take a look at the download numbers and things like that but also like the reaction on social media and stuff so if you do want yeah i have, I have a few ideas um if you do want to hear us do more episodes on wizard of Earthsea, let us know uh charles will definitely let you know which places you can do that when we that's right. Yeah, we well, have we close been, out the, sh- we have, the show. Yeah, which will be soon because we, we have yeah. we, we have been indoctrinated into the wise fool Earthsea school of of just um, enthusiasm. So we're, oh, yeah. we're we're ready to, to to talk more about it. It's it's just for that, sure. Um, for now, though, I I'm really happy with where we are in the discussion. And I had it like a book like this is just so much fun to talk about in like a book club buddy read oh, format yeah. because there's just so many it's first of all it's a it's a shorter read but there's so many deep themes and imagery and metaphors in here that we can talk about and it, it, it it's a particularly fun one to talk about and i'm glad that we were able to talk about it together dylan because it's fun it's been so it's, much fun bouncing some of these and, theories and like I guess like it is fun, like because I am I'm enjoying myself and having fun. But I guess it's like it all that almost sells it short to just call it fun because it's like <laughs> it's so freaking deep. Yeah, it's, it's like deep. Yeah. there's so many like deep philosophical, psychological, spiritual even uh, themes to this to sink your teeth into. And I, <laughs> I hope we we did some justice of trying to sink our our teeth into it today yeah. and i'd love to sink our teeth into it more in the future so, <laughs> i agree yeah it's awesome talking about this with you charles and likewise yeah. dylan and i i think if we're happy with where the conversation's at we can go ahead and play that sweet sweet outro music sounds like a plan charles let's get that sweet sweet outro music pumping all right Thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, and if you want to hear more Earthsea, guys, let yes. us know. because <laughs> We're we, practically like, begging. <laughs> we basically only need just the smallest bit of validation of, like, that was okay. And they'll be like, yeah, okay, we're doing more. So just let us know over they love on Twitter. It. Yes, let us see. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're delusional enough that we'll take even the smallest crumb here. And that's over at the FTF Podcast 
with a number one at the end. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram at the FTF Podcast. You can always send us an email at the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. And Dylan, if they wanted to support the show even further and they're listening on Apple Podcasts, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. Just find that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, and then scroll past all those episodes that you're seeing until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the optimal number of stars to click to support the show would be five of those stars. If you have a little bit of extra time and you want to write a review, that's even more helpful for getting people to find the show. And, you know, we would really appreciate that. Yep. But just listening is more than enough. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you, everybody, for listening all the way to the end. You guys are awesome. We greatly appreciate you. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.